Welcome to the Marketing and Other Markets podcast with me, Matt Moscow. This is a podcast for real estate industry professionals who are doers. Each episode will feature an interview with a top producer or someone who's doing things differently in an exciting way. For those who already know me or have read my books and blogs, my brand of marketing is tangible and repeatable because we don't all need to reinvent the wheel. Every episode, my promise to you is that you will leave with at least one tangible idea that you can execute on today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Marketing in Other Markets. I am super stoked to have one of the nicest realtors that I've ever had uh, on the podcast with me today, Kristen Mann. Kristen is with uh, Keller Williams Premier in Katy, Texas, and she is the, you're the operating principal. Is that correct? Yes, Um, that's right. Of a a market center with over 390 agents, but that's not the reason I brought her here today. Um, She's also a team leader for um, for her own personal team. They are absolutely crushing it. They've been growing every year and they structure their business in a very client-centric way that resonated with the way that I like to do business. So uh, Kristen, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, everybody. So I want to kind of start, we, we talked a little bit about kind of quality of life. So I would love it if you could just kind of walk people through your progression here in real estate. Uh, I know you were an individual agent when you started, and now obviously you're the operating principal, you manage a team, like you guys are doing all kinds of stuff. So walk us through where you started and where you are now. Absolutely. So I have been in real estate going on nine years. I was an individual agent for about two and a half and decided that I wanted a team for probably different reasons than most. Um, I realized that my quality of life had kind of dissipated. And so I wanted... I just wanted a little bit more free time, but I didn't want to sacrifice taking care of the clients in order to do that. So we started a team. My husband joined me as well as a a best friend for 20 years. She left the car business and he left the countertop, which was tied to oil and gas business and came into real estate with me. Um, So now we've been a team for about six years and there are four of us that do, well, three that actively do real estate. I do all of the back end marketing, social media, and then we also have a transaction coordinator. There's a lot of teams out there. Walk us through what did 2021 look like? What was, what was the units? What was the volume? And what's the average purchase price in your area? That way, like our listeners around the country can kind of compare where you are to kind of their, to their uh, version of real estate. Absolutely. So we did 44 units, which were buys and sells, listings and buyers. And then we had three leases equaling 47. And we did just over 20 million. It was like 20 million 500. Uh, It was the best year we've ever had. We definitely broke through the 20 million, which we had never done before. So that was really exciting. I think the main thing that had changed for us was we actually did not increase our units. Instead, we increased our dollar amount, right? So we were able to really get into the luxury market. The luxury market really seemed to take off in 21. You know, you asked me three years ago, I couldn't sell a luxury listing to save my life. And 2021, they were really easy to partner with builders and then get them sold quickly. And so that's what we did. And that's what really brought up our sales volume. Well, I love that. And, you know, a question I get all the time from agents, you know, when I'm meeting with brand new people is, hey, how do I break into the luxury market? And I think your timeline really speaks to that. Not only has the market gotten better every year for six years, but you've been in it for nine. So a lot of those clients that you work with on their first home when it was maybe 300 to 400, now all of a sudden they're buying their second or third home with you. And, you know, a slight increment of $100,000 more per house puts people in the luxury market in most areas of the country. 
So to kind of answer everyone's question out there, like how do I break into the luxury market? Start by breaking into a market of people that are like-minded to you that have aspirations of killing it in their careers and having higher goals. And that will help you get into that next market. So I love that that's worked for you so perfectly. Thank you. And I agree with everything you said. That is 100% accurate. So I know, you know, I talk a lot to agents who I ask them like, hey, like, where does your business come from? And they give me that generic answer of like, oh, it comes from my sphere. And I'm like, well, how is another agent going to use that to grow their business? But for you, your business really is your guys' sphere. But what are you doing to get their business coming back? I mean, they could probably choose from what, 5,000 agents in your area, but they're choosing to, to come back to you guys. Sure. Uh, I think the main thing when it comes to working a sphere, I think when you say sphere to people, people make the assumption that means picking up the phone and calling nonstop. And for me and our team, we really like to come from contribution when we pick up the phone and we call somebody. We want to know how their business is doing. Is there something that we can do for them? Have they do they need help with their homestead exemption? Is there some type of vendor that we can refer to them? Every time we pick up the phone, it's not, do you know somebody who can buy or sell? It's what can we do for you? And I think when you come from that place, people are a lot more apt to show up to your events. They're a lot more willing to help you because they know in turn you're helping them. Well, and also that's, that's evergreen content, like to simply yes. write down like, if you guys out there listening want an, ex an exercise that you can do right now, it would be write down those questions that, that she just mentioned, right? Because every single week, you know you should be reaching out to a certain number of clients, but the reason you're not doing it is that you simply don't know what to say. But if you have a list of those questions, you can simply call them, ask them, hey, how's the new house we sold you? What's going on? What do you need? Who, what types of referrals do you need? What products do you have coming up? and then be the connector for them. And you'll, you'll never run out of content if the content is always about them because the answer they give you will always be different. That's genius. <laughs> so, and I think the other part of it is you have to mix the way that you are contacting them. Somebody who likes to be text may not like to be on the phone. Uh, a lot of people would prefer you just dropping off a little goodie on their doorstep. So we encompass everything. We do events, we do pop buys, we do database events, client events. We pick up the phone and call, we text, we email. I mean, it's a combination of everything. And then not only that, everybody that you're working through your database or your sphere should also be connected through social media somehow. So they're also getting that branding message and a reminder on a regular basis. It's so funny when people don't do that though, because it sounds so like, so basic, you know, to anyone under, you know, 70 to add someone on social media to stay in front of them. But it's one of those things where so many people send out recipe cards and all kinds of other stuff because they want to stay in front of them, which I'm not knocking those ideas. But if you, if the goal is top of mind, social media is free. Like it doesn't have to cost anything to stay top of mind. What do you, like, I know you guys are pretty heavy on social. What types of things are you posting? Is it mostly real estate or how are you, what are they remembering about you when you're posting? So this is my favorite topic, and I'm so glad that you asked. I have trained agents on social media for years, and I think the one mistake that we make as real estate agents is we constantly post things that are real estate related. We're posting our open houses. We're posting our just solds, right? And as much as our client base may love to see that, and we do want to remind them, what they're really there on social media to do is build a personal relationship with you through the networks. And the best way to do that is to show the things that you're interested in. So don't just, to me, I don't just keep it to real estate. I have five things that I really love to do. I love to do photography. 
I love to support local businesses and charities and be involved in the community. So I'm always posting pictures of that. We have a photographer come out who does lifestyle pictures. It's, I can tell you, it's always awkward to post a picture of yourself and it never gets easier. It really doesn't. I hear from agents all the time. I just don't know how you do that. And I'm like, I just, you just do it right. It's never, it's never going to get easier, but people want to know you. They want to see those fun pictures of you in the model home, not just the model. It makes you more approachable, right? Like, I don't know that I've ever reached out to like, you know, Ryan Serhant or anyone from like million dollar listing on social and said like, Hey, how are you? Because like, oh my God, big bag of celebrity. But like, as soon as I see a realtor who, you know, they might be an $80 million realtor, but they're posting about their kids. All of a sudden I have something in common with them. I can reach out like, oh my gosh, we just took our kids to see Disney and ice too, or whatever that might be you know, giving people those multiple reasons to reach out, you're going to attract different types of people. You will have people, right? Like that might reach out to you about the real estate stuff if you get lucky, but it's more likely that the photography might be the end, or it might be the family stuff or the charity stuff. Um, it can be, it can be scary to get a friend request or a follow from a real estate agent or anyone in sales because they're going to try to sell to you. I think right. then when they realize that that's only a part of what you are, it just makes it so much more natural. And it's the goal from social for me is just really to set a meeting and stay top of mind. I don't care what they want to meet with me about. If they want to get together and like break bread with me, it's my favorite thing to do or have a drink. I don't care where the conversation goes. There's value there. There's social capital. There's something. That's right. And I try to always tell people social media is twofold. You have the branding side, which is people just getting to know you. And then you have your actual lead source side where you're paying for campaigns or you're paying for boosted posts in order to get an actual name and information, right? So they are two different things that you're targeting. Uh, The thing with paid ads is people don't realize purchasing a home is not an impulsive decision. Clothes like boutiques and those kinds of things do really well with paid ads because they can buy a $20 top and have it delivered. And there's no other thought process that comes along with that ad, right? But for purchasing homes, we have to follow up with people seven to 14 times is the average before you even get an appointment. And I think that's why so many agents kind of fall off before they actually get there. Well, and I mean, like, like let's really drive that point home. Like that clothing store that is able, like, why does it work for them? And it doesn't work for us. That clothing store, when they sell that dress, they're making a profit margin of like four bucks. Right. When we sell a house, right. we're making 3% on depending what the average purchase price is, like $400,000. That's 12 grand minus your splits, taxes, whatever. There is no other industry on earth that I know of that has commissions like we do. So why are we not putting the thought into our social media marketing or posting or not putting the thought in and expecting why our results are any different? You might get lucky every once in a while and you will but you can't plan on that. You cannot plan on getting lucky in your social media marketing, but you can plan on putting thought into it and attracting people that are like you and similar. I love, I love that we're like so on the same page on that. I know a couple other, one of the things we talked about that I wrote down and I highlighted twice, so it must be good, is, is that you said something about leveraging your time. Walk me through time versus money for you. Oh, yes. So that's extremely important. Um, I always tell people, I'm like, I have a good amount of money. It's the time that I wish I had more of. And so for me, leveraging looks a little bit different. You know, when you're running the brokerage and you're running a team from the back end, there's only so much that you can leverage, right? So I ended up leveraging more in my personal life in order to be present at work. 
right? And I think that a lot of people that I talk to, a lot of agents that I talk to, forget that leveraging things in your personal life is just as important as leveraging things within your business. I think the biggest thing you can leverage is probably the transaction coordinating. It's very time consuming, but a whole lot of people are available and, and able to take that on for you. And I feel like clients are very comfortable with that portion of it. Leveraging my marketing and social media, I found to be a little bit more challenging because I still have to be present for that. I still have to be in the picture. So the yeah. posting that takes the least amount of time, it's the preparation and the content that takes the most. Yeah. And there's like aspects of like the marketing that you can leverage. And for me, that's like the management side. So like, right. you know, I will structure, you know, my assistant's bonus based on her showing up in my office and not letting me leave until I yeah. do my social media, right? Like that's a good use of her time is keeping me, keeping me accountable to it. You know, maybe, you know, having a graphic designer put it together for you so that you can then do it or, you know, hiring a videographer so it looks good, even though really authenticity is what people want, but there's good leverage and there's bad. I know when we talked before, I have two little kids, you have, you have three children. How are you positively leveraging them? Because I know you said that they were super involved and you're super involved with them. Yes. So notice uh, I said, notice I said leverage, not exploiting because my wife doesn't like it when I exploit our children for business, but ah, it's real estate. Oh my gosh. I love that. So we are definitely, well, that's twofold, right? I have to leverage some things uh, with their time. For example, my oldest plays competitive soccer. So that, I don't know if anybody else is in the competitive sports field with children, but it is so time consuming. I mean, that's five evenings out of the week that she has to be somewhere. So we have to leverage someone getting her there and picking her up. But it's funny because we've been able to kind of make work fun at the house. So if it's something like a mail out or we're doing pop buys, like we take the golf cart around and we include the kids in that so that we're able to have time with them, but also be able to accomplish what we need to in the business. I love that. And I mean, there's so many ways to do that. Like, I mean, number one, you guys do a lot of personal mailers and kids are a great, great resource to use for stuffing envelopes. I think too often people forget that real estate really is a family business because it's, it's you selling yourself and your, your family is a huge asset. It's important to get them on the same pages you so that they understand like this is where mom and dad make their income from this is how you can help us when you when you hear your friends parents talking about moving hey my mom Kristen's the best my dad's my dad's the best um I have one agent that he his daughter sells girls cookies every year and he goes door to door with her and the joke is he wears a shirt that said ask how to get your cookies for free and she tries to sell the cookies and if they want the cookies for free they can get a CMA from him Oh my God. kind of like this thing that they do, but there's so many ways to do it. Like, I don't know if that's my comfort zone, but like, it might be for someone out there. So I, um, I think it's important that we teach them at a young age, what business looks like, because they see mom and dad being able to afford all the things that we can, but they don't right. realize how much work, time and energy goes into being able to provide that to them. So we pay them, we pay them by the hour because we would pay somebody to do it. So we like to teach them how to, you know, be useful with their money and manage it. I love that. And I mean, that's where, you you know, when so many agents talk about getting burned out in this market where there's, you know, I'm sure all over the country, so many buyers that are pre-approved and great, but so few listings, having an external or kind of more of that intrinsic more motivation of what you're getting out of it with your family is such a great way to avoid burnout. Um, right. So I wanted to move on to a couple other little things that you mentioned. You do such a tremendous job, your whole team does with your, with your database. 
Um, and you told me that your husband, Todd, um, it was that, that was his name, right? Yes. So Todd gets business for the best reason I've ever heard. He gets business because he likes to drink bourbon. I know a lot of our listeners would love to hear this strategy. Um, and now I do, a couple people might need to switch to tequila. I hear that's the health conscious way to go these days. I'm more of a cab guy, but yeah. um, I would love to hear how you're, and this, it's so beautifully simple and fun, but how is your husband getting business because he likes to drink? Because I think everybody can relate to that a little bit. Sure. So uh, I guess it started a couple years ago. I'm with Keller Williams. And so they have a big family reunion every day. I mean, every day, every year. And you go. That would and be a lot. Yeah. Every, uh, they, they talk about how our top producers within the whole company have really discovered what they enjoy doing, how they like to run their business and how they avoid burnout. Right. And so this one guy got up and said, well, you just have to find the things that you love and learn how to lead generate through that. And so I took that home to my husband and I said, you know, he's a bourbon collector. So he likes to do the trading of bourbons and, and stuff. And we were having a hard time getting plugged into our new farm, which is our new neighborhood, because they don't allow any solicitation whatsoever. Like you can't even put a open house sign anywhere in the neighborhood, except for right in front of the house. Oh, wow. So we ended up just putting out there on the Facebook group page, hey, come over for a bourbon tasting. And it was incredible the amount of people he had show up. I think it was like 15 men the first time, then it grew to 20. Um, and it's just been a way for him to really meet people. They're doing something they enjoy. Now they've kind of turned it into a bourbon and poker party. So he hosts them at our house every other month. And then I get to take our three girls and go get a hotel room because... I do not want to be there for that. Um, <laughs> we leave, but I kind of took the same type of topic and I put it out there in the neighborhood as if anybody's looking to meet friends and just kind of mingle with one another, come to my house. And we ended up having 90 RSVPs for oh. women. So note to self, women. I hope were you have a big house. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not huge. I mean, it was okay. We opened up the back and everything, right? Like with with a little bit of a COVID scare, you don't want 90 people right on top of one another, but um, we kind of separated and we ended up having 90 RSVPs. We had about 50 women actually show up. What I've noticed is women are a lot more apt to come to those types of events than men. Men tend to um, be a little bit more on the cautious side. So we're rotating months. So I'll do the wine and meeting the neighbors one month. And then he does the bourbon and the poker for the men the other month. That's perfect. I mean, you're hitting you're hitting every kind of demographic. I tell, I tell my lenders here all the time, like if you're going to plan your events for the year, make sure to plan some that make sense for men, a couple that makes sense for women, a couple that makes sense for couples, for people that like to do things together. And then throw a couple of family ones out there for people that are only going to go to something if their kids are involved. I mean, you're right. And things that don't involve alcohol because there yeah. are people who don't drink and they're not comfortable going to a happy hour. So we're going to do a little coffee break in the mornings as well, just to meet up for coffee after you drop the kids off at school. So I think if, as long as you add a variety, right. But the main thing is, is it's fun. It's a fun way to meet people. And the more relationships you build, you're lead generating right there. And it doesn't even feel like you're working. I love that. Well, then there's the other thing, you know, a lot of people don't do events because they have this fear, right. That they're going to do an event and they're going to be a Billy no mates and nobody's going to show up. But one of the things I really like is that when you do an event, it could be your neighborhood, but if you, if you're collecting RSVPs and you get to the point where you don't have enough, you can start going into your database and your sphere and inviting some of those people. I love personally cross like merging different groups of my sphere, right? Like I want to have my pickleball friends meeting my wine friends. 
because you never know what kind of relationship that you can forge. And then all of a sudden you're the center of like two different people's social universes and you'll get invited to their groups. And that way you don't even have to pay, pay for those events. You're just getting invited. So I, it's social capital. Like we've talked about that before. And I think too many people underestimate that. Well, I know we've, we've covered quite a few things already, but one last piece of wisdom that you mentioned to me before that I, I really think other people need to know about. You, you mentioned that new agents need to stop comparing. And I want you to kind of give everybody the quote that you gave me, um, if, if you remember it, and kind of elaborate on it a little bit. Sure. So I think real estate takes time. It takes a lot of knowledge. It takes a lot of education. It takes a lot of masterminding, a lot of question asking. So for our newer agents that are listening, the, the best thing I can tell you is stop comparing your beginning to somebody else's middle. And that is a quote that I heard at a conference one time, and it really resonated with me. You know, I've been in the business nine years. It took me nine years to get to 20 million. It took nine years of hitting the pavement day after day after day and failing. Cause you mentioned failure earlier. I have failed multiple times. I almost lost my whole business in 2019 when I got really sick. And so you live and you learn and you try not to make the same mistakes twice. Um, I think you almost have to fail to make it to the top. I also heard this quote once that said, if you haven't failed, you're not trying hard enough. And right. I really, right. Right. I really like that. Uh, the other good thing about failing is once you finally do fail, the fear of it goes away because you realize you can make it through that. So I just think as a new agent, when you start, you really need to hold on to your money and only come from income, right? Don't go out and you see all these agents doing all this marketing and all this really expensive photography and lifestyle photos and all of that. You don't have to start off that way. You need to start off smaller and simple. And then the more clients you get, you invest that money back into your business, 20 to 30%, right? That's how you, you continue to keep growing that way. I mean, that is so absolutely genius. I always tell people, don't spend the money until you have it. Don't spend your assets, spend your income, have a plan and figure out what is going to, what is going to work to take you to that next level. I absolutely, I absolutely love hearing that. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. The Marketing and Other Markets podcast is proudly supported by Neighborhood Loans and Treadstone Funding. Visit them online to see a new type of culture and energy in home lending. For more actionable real estate marketing tips and tricks, check out my book, The Tangible Action Guide for Real Estate Marketing, available on Amazon. Interested in being on the show? Reach out to us via Instagram at mattmusket88. See you next time.